Welcome to the Health Daily Show, your go-to where leaders, founders, and investors share insights on growth, innovation, and business building. I'm Chitra Nabat, your host. Joining us today is Josh Blum, LRV Health Managing Partner. Josh, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks, Chitra. Happy to be here and really looking forward to our conversation. Josh, tell us about LRV Health. What's differentiated in your investing approach and your firm? Okay. LRV Health as a starting point. We're a healthcare-focused venture fund. We invest primarily in Series A and B, but we will have seed entry points and we will have later stage entry points. Firm's been in existence since 2000, so been through several cycles. Just raised our fifth fund, which we're investing out of, a little north of $200 million there. I think what makes us really unique in healthcare is that all of our investors are strategic. So incumbents within healthcare is either health systems or health plans. So around 30 partners that we invest on behalf of. And that's the only investors we have. We don't take any financial money outside of that. So that's really allowed us to build a firm that's really purpose-built around that strategic model. So we're very deeply embedded with our investors, almost an extension of their team, helping to learn from them about where they're looking at the market and what's next and helping to inform them about where the market is going and what type of innovation they need to look at as they think about the future. So we spend a lot of time with them. We've also brought in a set of operators that are investing partners in the firm, myself included. Spent a long time at CVS Health in a variety of roles. But my partners similarly have had those experiences. So deeply embedded in healthcare and then bringing that to how we diligence, how we work with companies, how we partner with companies, how our LPs become customers of companies, so a really integrated end-to-end model about the intersection between incumbents and innovators to drive meaningful change in healthcare. So given that integration, that 360 you just talked about from the strategic LPs, the operator investor approach at your firm, the DNA, bring that to life for us in terms of how you compete to attract the best founders, the best companies, the best startups. Yeah, I think the right the way we try to look at it is we start from like I would say from an investing perspective from a thematic approach. So I'll just step back for one second. I think this will answer your question. First, we start off by working really closely with our LPs and thinking about where are their gaps in the market, what are the durable trends, and where are the gaps that are needed. Then we'll work with companies and go out into the market and really look for people that are building businesses and sustainable business models around those durable trends. We'll work to find founders that have a really good fit within those markets and are able to grow within those spaces. So there are some founders that can do anything, but there are others that are really purpose-built around solutions. But then another phase of our investing process, to get to your question, is we spend a lot of time thinking about where is it that we can add a lot of value? Where is it that our LP base working with our founders or entrepreneurs can drive value? Where can we, as our experiences in healthcare, really add value and find that collaboration where we can help that company to achieve more than they could without us. And so we spend a lot of time in that space. And I think it's there, that kind of expertise that we bring, both as partners within the firm, but also through our LPs, that's really where we differentiate. So not everything's a fit for where we can add value, but where we can, we think those are the sweet spot where we're really able to make a difference and compete in the best deals. So given that rich context and what you just said about not everywhere you can add value, take us into that investor pattern recognition. What are the metrics, attributes you look for in founders or companies? Because we're here at Health. There are thousands of uh, startups out there, many who would love to get your support and get a check for you. So take us into that investor pattern recognition. 
Well, look, I think that for us, I'd say we do a lot of earlier stage investing. So series A, series B, we'll do later. So there's a variety of times in terms of whether you have metrics or don't have metrics. What can you look at? So it's an art and a science when we think about investing. So again, for us, and I think maybe we'll talk more about this later, we're really looking at what are those long-term sort of durable trends? Where is there change needed in healthcare? And then where can we lean in with the right founders there? So I don't think there's one sort of like algorithm around that. It's really a combination of factors around that fit with both the investor, the market, and then ultimately with our firm and where we'll look. You mentioned the word market. Let's talk about the broader challenging macroeconomic market right now. Recessionary inflation job cuts. Most, if not all, VCs, including the big brand funds, have written down big portions of their portfolios, especially investments made in the last three years. Roughly 100 health tech unicorns had valuations yanked down more than 50% in the past year, and the write downs are not over. You had 25 plus years in healthcare as an operator, investor, rich experience. How and why did we get here? Well, look, I think you've certainly characterized the, the current market appropriately, and it's a challenging time. I think there's less liquidity in the market and in the venture market in particular. I'm always think that when you think about where you are in a market to the point of your question, you have to think about markets often as like a pendulum. So where you are in the market depends a lot on where you've been and that can help inform where you're going to go. So where are we and how did we get to where we are? We're in a market where, especially during COVID, because it was a healthcare crisis, it drew an incredible uptick in the utilization of digital health solutions, right? You had a regulatory environment as well that lessened a lot of the regulatory barriers traditionally to innovation within healthcare and create an environment for rapid adoption. And then you had a financial environment where there was a significant amount of capital in the market because interest rates were low and there was a lot of stimulus. So we're coming off that market. Was that normal? I don't think so, but that's where we were in the market. And now we're on the swing back from that, particularly as it relates to like liquidity within the market. So as interest rates have risen so dramatically, you're seeing now less capital available. Still a lot, I would argue, but less capital was available. And so what that's created is an environment where I think as you step back and think about yourself as an investor in this market, particularly in venture, where you're trying to take a long-term longitudinal view of where the market is going, I think there actually is still a significantly good investing environment. You still have digital health has moved to a place and a plateau around utilization that's much higher than it was, less than where it was pre-COVID, but certainly has grown. And you have an environment in which I think you're starting to see the environment around funding shift to something that's more rational, able to spend more time, able to think more about diligence. And so there's still very great innovations to be had. We're excited to actually be investing in this time period, but you, to do it, you have to have a much longer term horizon about where the market is going and where are the durable trends in healthcare that have it you can invest in. Before I get into where the market is going, you talked about the pendulum. How did the pendulum um, hit or affect LRV health? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. All of these things are sort of, it's not like a one size fits all. As I said, it's a great investing environment for companies that I think are well positioned. It's also a good funding environment for next rounds. There are going to be other companies where now is the time to step back and think about extending your cash run rate, sort of building your business before you go out to raise in this environment. So I think net, net across the portfolio, we've done well, but there are certainly unique use cases within it, particularly in this environment. Where does the VC industry go from here? And what has to happen for it to change? 
That's an interesting question. I, I, I don't know exactly. I wish I had the crystal ball to tell you exactly, exactly where it goes. I think that what's happening now as I watch it is people are thinking much more now about kind of fundamentals. I think in the prior environment, and again, I'm only thinking about the last year or two, not the last 10 years, you've been in a period where maybe people have gotten away a little bit from the fundamentals, just given the nature of the market and the way that sort of people were competing around deals. So I think now there's a much more fundamental approach to the market. Now, I would say, and you started the conversation talking a little bit about LRV health, and I think we've always been a very like deeply healthcare focused and I think deeply embedded firm. So I don't think our structure has changed. But what I would say, and maybe I'll digress into this, is I think it becomes really, really important in this environment that you step back and think about what are the fundamentals of healthcare and what matters over the next couple of years. So maybe I can hit on a few of the things that we're thinking about that matter. So one of the, I think, durable long-term trends is you're starting to see, for example, a shift out of like in the insurance models from commercial markets into government markets. And that's particularly around Medicare and within Medicare, particularly around Medicare Advantage. And even in original Medicare, you're seeing a shift to risk. So when you have fundamentally risk-based insurance models, what tends to happen is some of that risk gets pushed down into the care delivery system. So you start to see risk-based models in primary care then next in specialty care, and insurance-like functions move into care delivery. That's a durable trend. If you think about the regulatory environment, the long-term regulatory environment is shifting care out of institutional settings into home, community, and virtual settings. There's a set of investable themes there. There's consumerism in healthcare. Healthcare's typically been something that's built around the provider, a pretty poor consumer experience. The water level's changing. That's an investable theme. And then there's two others that I think start to matter that I'll hit on here. One is a little bit of the cost pressure in healthcare. So there's been inflation, particularly on wages. That's mostly hit provider and health systems right now, but it's going to roll through the insurance markets. That will raise costs for employers, which will shift costs to members. That will have durable impact. And finally, I think there's a lot of new medications that are coming to market, and they're coming to market in high cost, and it's a system that's not really built around the ability to help bring those uh, products to market, commercialize them, pay for them. So there's a lot that has to be done in that space as you think about the next five, 10 years. With all of those themes that you just mentioned, it's still very complicated. It's very complicated, very difficult to figure out the right business, the line stakeholders, the money flows. How do you actually make money? So in the next five to 10 years, let's just talk about the next five because we're inundated with health tech startups. We're inundated with shiny objects, right? So over the next five years, where is there real money to be made in healthcare? Yeah, well, I think it's a good question. I think that, listen, within healthcare, I do think that if you go back to some of the themes that we talked about, for example, I do think there'll be shifts, for example, in the pharmacy market in terms of how you bring some of these new therapies to market, how you commercialize them, how you remake the system around patient access, as an example, around new insurance models to pay for therapies. So I think those will be places where certainly there are business models to be built that can make money. Across that, I do think there'll be new care delivery models, particularly models that take on sort of full risk and capitation within those markets and companies that do that, but also that service companies that do that. And as I said, bring some of those risk-based models into healthcare. I think those are places that you can make money. But the one caveat that I would say across all of that is in any space, I do think to the point you're making as an investor, you really have to put the hat on of looking at the business model and not just saying, is this a problem that should be solved, but is this a problem that when it is solved, 
can fit into workflows, can fit into payment models, and can build durable businesses. And within any of those lanes, there will be companies that can and cannot. And it's our job to really sort those out and invest in the ones that are building long-term business models on a multi-year basis. Leadership, Josh. In career business life, there are rules, norms, codes to how things are done. Where have you been a code breaker in career, business, or life? And how did you do it? Well, first off, I love that question. I like the word code breaker in that context. I guess what I would say for me, the first thing is I'm sitting here today as a managing partner in a venture fund. I started my professional career as a white collar criminal defense attorney. So certainly along that journey, I've, I've broken a few norms and I'll take you a little bit through that. Right. And I think the common denominator it is I've always kind of pushed myself to want to try new things, expand my horizons and within that take risk around failure. I've been lucky to succeed by having great teams and great mentors, but I started off, as I said, a white-collar criminal defense attorney. Wanted to learn more about business, so I went to the Boston Consulting Group. CVS was a client. I really fell in love with that model around pharmacy and the ability of that to really transcend and make change in healthcare. So I moved in-house at that time to a regional chain, and then from there, moved into helping to run and then ultimately leading our pharmacy business, moved in to become our chief strategy officer, start our venture fund. So a really sort of serendipitous career path, like marked by great mentors, but also a desire to make change. So I would say in that way, I've been a code breaker. But what I like about it is, aside from it just being fun and, and interesting and dynamic, is it's really put me in a position now where I think I'm sitting in now in that intersection with entrepreneurs and incumbents and able to speak that language and hopefully have those experiences continue to make an impact in what I'm doing now. So maybe a code breaker, but certainly not a linear career path. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.